Penn State might be down, but they're not out because this season is certainly far from over. You are Locked On Nittany Lions, your daily podcast on the Penn State Nittany Lions, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. What is going on, Penn Staters? That is right. You are locked on at Nittany Lines. Thanks so much for making us your first listen and watch every single day. We are free and available wherever you get your podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. I'm your host, Zach Seiko, bringing you all things Penn State Nittany Lions. You got to check out Prize Picks. Go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks daily fantasy sports made easy. In this episode, I got four main takeaways, and I'm actually going to do a part one and a part two with this because this was such a big game. We know we all saw it, Penn State losing to Ohio State 20 to 12. I know we got to relive it already, but there did a live postgame recap with this one, and now we're going to break it down throughout the week and then preview Indiana. But I got four main takeaways in this one, and I'll have a part two to follow it up as well. I know. I know you're angry. I know you're disappointed because we believe. I believe, you believe, right? This this team had a lot of potential. But I, I am here to tell you that you still can believe in this team because the season is not over. I want to explain this takeaway before I do. Subscribe to Locked On Nittany Lions. Help out the channel wherever you get your podcast, including YouTube. Let me know, is the season over in your eyes? Because I don't think it is. That is my biggest takeaway from Penn State, Ohio State. I thought I saw a lot of people dooming about this one. It was gloom and doom because Penn State lost to a college football playoff contender, and therefore the Nittany Lions can't recover. What happened in 2016? 2016, the Nittany Lions got blown out by Michigan, and then they turned around and beat Ohio State at home. I know those were two different teams, two different coaching staffs, but almost seems like a similar setup. I know everyone's going to hammer me in the comments and people have already had saying that Penn State has no shot against Michigan. I'm not saying that they do or do not have a shot against Michigan in this case. I'm saying the season can be saved if you beat Michigan. So the opportunity is there. It's not like this was the only game. You just have your backs against the wall now. You have more to prove. The, the mountain becomes much more taller. It would have been easier if you had beaten Ohio State on the road, but now you got to do it. Your one shot is against the Wolverines to fix that. Too many Penn State fans, too many college football analysts are overreacting to this loss. Penn State plays Michigan. Uh, that A win there saves this, and you have to win out. But you finish 11-1 and with that game against Michigan, who's been in the college football playoff now twice, two years in a row, that would save the season. This is still a top 10 team. The AP rankings came out and Penn State is, is number 10. This is a top five defense still, even with Chop Robinson on the men. Ohio State couldn't do much outside of getting the ball to Marvin Harrison Jr. I'll, I'll explain that in just a second. But this defense held the Buckeyes to 20 points on the road. And honestly, it should have been 13. And Penn State should have had a defensive touchdown to go along with it. So don't they held a college football playoff contender, a top four team, the third team in the country right now, to 20 points. You watch that game. You understand it should have been 13. They should have had a defensive touchdown. That is still a top defense in the nation. And you did this on the road. You did this at the, the horseshoe. 
That was an elite Ohio State team. We now know what elite looks like still. So this Penn State team right now in this given moment is not elite. They are still a little brother to Ohio State. They got something to prove against Michigan, but since Michigan's still at the top and they've eaten big fish, she eats a little fish, right? So Ohio State eats Penn State, Michigan eats Ohio State. At least that's the trend that's been over the past, well, in Penn State's case, seven years. For the past two years uh, for Ohio State and Michigan, but you get my point. Penn State uh, still is second fiddle to both of these schools, but you lost by eight. Uh, it was on the road. And what did Ohio State really do in that game? They couldn't run the ball. Neither could Penn State, but Ohio State couldn't either. It's not like they overly dominated that game as a whole and buried the Nittany Lions. The Nittany Lions just couldn't throw the ball at first. And then Ohio State figured that out quickly after the first quarter and then sold out to stop Singleton and Allen, but they were getting their yards early on. They couldn't run the ball, 1.9 yards per carry. They committed more penalties. They were more undisciplined than Penn State. Six for 16 on third down, and I know I really shouldn't be harping about that because Penn State only converted one third down, and it came late in the fourth quarter. Ohio State didn't force any turnovers either, so if Penn State has anything to applaud itself for, it's the fact that they still have only committed one turnover to this point, and that was even 50-50, right? But Ohio State passed the ball better, and that was it, and they had Marvin Harrison Jr. So Ohio State isn't miles and miles and miles ahead of Penn State. Penn State is good. Penn State is even great. This is a great team, but Ohio State is elite, and there is that gap. The world is not on fire here for the Nittany Lions. You still have a season to play. The football team knows this. I want you, the spectator, the listener, the viewer, to understand this as well. North Carolina's done. North Carolina's finished. I, they dropped only seven spots in the eight people, but I, I would have hammered them, seriously. You lost at home to a sorry Virginia Cavaliers team that was 1-5 going into that game. How do you lose that? Washington should have lost at home to Arizona State. They had a scare. There was a bad no pass interference holding call, whatever, outside of the end zone that the Sun Devils, they would have extended the lead, and the Huskies would have been out of college football playoff contention. Iowa lost to Minnesota. I know that doesn't help uh, Penn State's resume, but Iowa had an outside shot to finish 11-1 and and be the Big Ten West representative, and now that's in flux. And USC is done. They're out. They got two losses. They are finished. They lost to Utah for the fourth time in a row. Penn State destroyed Utah in the in the Rose Bowl, but USC hasn't been able to beat Utah in the Pac-12 championship on the road at home. That was at the Coliseum, and they still couldn't get it done, and Cam Rising didn't play in that game the whole time. So you had a Heisman winner. You had Heisman favorite for this season. You're supposed to win that game. You're supposed to be a college football playoff contender, and now your season's over. So Penn State is in none of those boats. I like the way that this sets up for the Nittany Lions. This is now turning into the underdog mentality. Fan base is selling out on this team. Majority of the fan base doesn't believe in this Penn State team anymore. And I don't, I don't blame you. I really don't. Because if you lose to Ohio State and Michigan keeps beating Ohio State, then naturally you jump to A plus B equals C, right? You jump to that conclusion. But Penn State's going to be angry now. The negative press... The negative fan reactions, the fire James Franklin crowd is back. The fire Mike Yersich crowd popped up, formed overnight. They will be motivated for the rest of this season. I, I think this is really going to set a different tone for the remainder of the season, at least until after Michigan. It's going to be all business from here. But it is not over. You beat Michigan. You finish 11-1. and one, You hope Michigan. Now, here's the other caveat to this. You have to hope that Michigan beats Ohio State because like 2016, 
you needed things to unfold the same way in conference so that you could hold that tiebreaker. So Michigan, if you beat Michigan, Michigan would have to turn around and beat the Buckeyes at home since that game is in Ann Arbor. And then, boom, you have a spot in the Big Ten Championship. 11-1, and your only conference loss is Ohio State, and you win the tiebreaker virtue of being Wolverine fans for a day (laughs) at the end of the regular season. Easier said than done. I understand. Easier said than done. Michigan could be considered the top team in the country. Right now, they're ranked two by the AP, but and the Wolverines are a very complete team. So, uh, like I said, easier said than done, but at the end of the day, the season is not over. Was it over when and people probably considered it seven years ago when Penn State was absolute, absolutely embarrassed by the Wolverines, and that team got into the Big Ten Championship. They didn't win the Rose Bowl, but they still had an exciting season, and you had a Big Ten Championship to show for it. I'm saying the situation is different, but you can still have a similar finish. Be like USC and Notre Dame, where you have no chance of getting to the college football playoff. We could be in that boat and really be miserable. Misery loves company, right? It is locked on Nittany Lions. I still have a couple more, a few more takeaways here over the next two segments. I'm going to have a part two for this episode, so be on the lookout for that. Before we get to the next set of takeaways, where I believe that Penn State was distracted before this Ohio State game. What? The Nittany Lions distracted after they were telling us they were focused the whole time. They won't admit it, but the signs were there. There was a lot of pressure on this team, too. I want to I want to tell you about one of our sponsors of today's episode, and that is Athletic Brewing Company. And now is time for your game changer of the week, brought to you by Athletic Brewing Company. And, uh, well, the Penn State offense didn't really do much, so we got to go with the Penn State defense that almost had a scoop and score with Curtis Jacobs. Tyler Elsden recovering a fumble. Penn State's defense is elite and kept them in the game against the Buckeyes here. So they are your game changer of the week. Like Penn State's defense changing the game for the Nittany Lions as a whole, Athletic Brewing Company has completely changed the non-alcoholic beer game. They make non-alcoholic beers that actually taste good, full of flavor, well-crafted, just like a full-strength beer. They brew over 50 styles of craft and non-alcoholic beers, including IPAs, Golden, Sours, and more. You can find Athletic Brewing Company's non-alcoholic brews at a store near you or buy online at athleticbrewing.com. First-time customers can use promo code LOCKEDON for 15% off your first online order. That's code LOCKEDON at checkout for 15% off at athleticbrewing.com. Near beer exclusions apply. Athletic Brewing Company, fit for all times. And if you haven't checked it out already, you have to. You just have to. It is Locked On College Football Kickoff Live, where the Locked On Podcast Network amps up college football coverage every Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern time across all the Locked On College YouTube channels. So you can join the conversation, submit your comments, be a part of the show, and get a full unfiltered hour of a preview for the whole weekend slate of games, the college football playoff implications, the conference rivalries, Everything that is said and done, I have been on the show twice now as a guest. It is very exciting, and you will enjoy it too. Locked On College Football Kickoff Live every Friday, 11 a.m. Eastern Time across all the Locked On College YouTube channels. And then you can listen to it back wherever you get your podcast for Locked on Col- for the Locked On College podcast. Penn State was distracted. That's big takeaway number two. And like I have sub-takeaways, mini-takeaways with these ones. And I'll have a part two. There's more to this, right? There's more to discuss. But Penn State was distracted going into the Ohio State game. They won't let you believe it. They absolutely were. They were. They, they'll never admit it, but they were. Their focus was deviated, okay? Ohio State gave them a serious reality check. 
because this team can be elite. This Penn State team can be elite. But as we've seen, the signs were there, and I ignored them. I think a lot of other people ignored them too, just how, ba how bad or how, how limited the offense was, how far behind they were. They will get better, but that's besides the point. But this team can be elite. The offense still has to get better. You have a first-year starter, remember that, but Ohio State gave them that reality check because you had all this national media attention. Penn State is going to become this college football playoff contender. This is the... This is the return to Camelot, right? The opportunity to beat Ohio State for the first time in the past six seasons, now going on a seven-year losing streak. James Franklin said this. He said that. He talked to this reporter. He had this viral, uh, viral clip, this funny phrase at practice, messing around with the reporters. It's going to stop. It is going to stop. You are going to see a completely different tone, a completely different attitude, because Penn State got relaxed. They really did all this joking, this unseriousness throughout the week because Penn State felt cocky. They felt good. They were beating up on opponents. They beat Iowa, a team that's just that ruined the 2021 season. I know they went seven and six. I'm not here to defend that, but that was the start. The Hawkeyes ruined the start of that season, and ultimately it finished the way it did. And there were all those things, the faking injuries. And then Penn State felt pretty good about itself, as they should have. They were they beat up on West Virginia. Mountaineers thought they could come into Beaver Stadium and win. They beat a team. I know Penn State's unrivaled, but come on. Penn State was very angry. They had a, they had a bone to pick with the Hawkeyes, and they did. So moving forward, I expect no nonsense from this team. You are going to get a stoic James Franklin until at least Michigan is over, probably the remainder of the season, because now they understand what it takes to be elite. Ohio State wasn't having any of those. Ryan Day didn't have any viral press conference clips or, or stories making national media, national headlines about what was said to this reporter or what was said at practice. They now know what's at stake and that you can't do this anymore. They got caught looking silly. They talked a little bit of, of smack. Ohio State didn't. Buckeyes went about business as usual, and I think that was an unfriendly reminder to Penn State of what needs to be done. In addition to that, this is my third main takeaway. There was also too much pressure on Penn State going into this one because what it felt like the sense in Happy Valley. Okay, like I said, I believed, you believed. Maybe there were some outliers. Don't get me wrong. I'm not speaking for 100% of people that cover Penn State and that like Penn State root for Penn State. I know that there were some people that were skeptical skeptical about Penn State beating the Buckeyes in Columbus. And good for you, right? You read it all along. You read the tea leaves. But there was a lot of pressure on this Nittany Lion team going into this one and a lot of pressure on a 19-year-old first-year starting quarterback. I get it. He's a five-star, but we got to remember that Drew Aller is just 19 years old. I am not going to hold him accountable for uh crying or or being upset in the post-game pressers, I thought he handled that as well as he could. Remember, he's still a teenager. He is still a teenager, and I think this game helped him grow up a lot. But I talked about this in my preview, and hindsight's 2020. If I was going to have any concerns about this game, what were they going to be? And that was Penn State not being able to handle the pressure. Too much was on the line. There was too much for Penn State to lose, and Ohio State really, yes, if they lost this game, they would have taken a major setback, and who knows, maybe Ryan Day would have been fired on the spot because the second he loses to Michigan for the third time in a row, Buckeye fans are going to go absolutely nuts. But 
this was a game where they could sit back and let Penn State come to them, literally, because this game was in the horseshoe, but metaphorically, this was a legacy game for James Franklin for his decade at Penn State. You had to end the six-game losing streak against Ohio State. This was now the moment where is Penn State becoming a college football playoff contender. There's been the conversation that they're a national title contender. Key recruiting battles since they're going up head-to-head against Ohio State. Drew Aller specifically returning to his hometown, his home state. He's from Medina, but I, I, I spoke on this a little bit more, and I posted about this on X and Twitter. Drew Aller's from Ohio. Friends and family lined up to see him play this game. This was a return home to him. This was also a chance to get revenge. Ohio State spited me because I imagine until Penn State, Mike Yersich, James Franklin, started recruiting Drew Aller, if he was playing football, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12 years old, I've already said this, but I'll say it again. There was probably a lot of pressure for Drew Aller to say, you didn't recruit me. This was my dream school once upon a time when I was growing up. And now I have the chance to prove the doubters at home wrong. And you didn't. And that's what I mean. There was probably that mental pressure on him going into that game. Now, as a football player, as an athlete, he's supposed to be able to handle that. But easier said than done. That seems to be a common theme in this episode. There was a lot of pressure on the Nittany Lions. And they didn't handle it, period. But going into this game, yeah. And this was also the first real, real road game for Drew Aller, right? Northwestern was never going to prepare him. Illinois for that, for the horseshoe, especially the environment that he was returning to since that was his home state. If that was on the road at Ann Arbor for that first start uh, for a big type of road game where the where the stakes are high, maybe a little bit different because he doesn't have that emotional attachment to Michigan. I'm just speaking hypothetically. Debate me in the comments. That's fine. But you can't tell me that this game didn't mean the most to Drew solely because he went back home. And and unfortunately, they just couldn't get it done. They, they couldn't get it done, but they still have an opportunity to. But Penn State was, was distracted, or they weren't fully focused, let's say that, and there was too much pressure. Those outside factors, stats and analytics can't comprehend that. They'll never be able to factor that kind of stuff in. And if you can read that going into a game, hindsight's twenty twenty. I brought it up, but kind of uh, ignored it a little bit when I made my prediction. But how about X's and O's? In, my, in the final segment here, in this takeaway episode, going to have a part two. Wide receiver is a problem. Let's hear from another sponsor on today's episode, and that is Prize Picks. Prize Picks is the largest daily fantasy sports independently owned platform in North America. They are the easiest and most exciting way to play DFS. It's just you against the numbers. Instead of battling thousands of other players, including pros and sharks, you pick more than or less than on a two to six player stat projection and watch those winnings roll in. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Prize picks is really simple to play. You make your picks and you can submit your entry in less than 60 seconds. With prize picks, they got a special reboot policy. And this feature is great because your entries will stay in play even if one of your players gets injured. For NFL games and college football top 25 matchups, if you have a player that exits the game in the first half and doesn't return in the second, that player is then rebooted. So Prize Picks is the only, only daily fantasy sports platform that has injury insurance. Now, what do you got to do? You got to go to prizepicks.com slash locked on college and use this promo code locked on college for a first deposit match up to $100. Prizepicks.com slash locked on college. Use promo code locked on college. 
for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. And in this final segment, once again, I encourage you to subscribe to Locked on Nittany Lions, wherever you get your podcast and on YouTube. Let me know what your main takeaways were. Does Penn State have a chance? Can they actually beat Michigan? Season's not over. The opportunity is there. I'm not saying it's not difficult, but it's there. And they're going to need improvement at the wide receiver spot. That is my fourth main takeaway on this episode. I will have a part two behind this the following day here. There needs to be change at wide receiver. The wide receivers are average at best. And that and that's being generous. That is being generous about, about this group. And I should have seen this come. I, I will be honest to admit, I should have seen this coming. The passing game struggled against Iowa, Northwestern, Illinois. Drew is partially to blame. Drew Aller is has to take some blame because he is the quarterback. The football's in his hands. But you cannot throw to guys who are not getting open. Hit the reset button, open competition, pull names out of a hat for all I care because that performance against Ohio State was absolutely abysmal. You had no separation. It allowed Ohio State to do whatever it wanted, and and the tape was there because Illinois, same thing. Northwestern, same thing. They sold out for the run because they didn't respect the passing game. Wide receivers couldn't get separation in single coverage, so that allowed the Buckeyes to run, cover zero, cover one. And Jim Knowles, an experienced defensive coordinator, will take advantage of that all day. They didn't need help in the secondary, so they could load up the box because Singleton and Allen started getting big plays, double-digit chunk play runs. And Jim Knowles said, well, let's put a stop to this. Once they saw that the passing game was no threat, everything changed in the second quarter. Where was Dante Cephas? Your glorified transfer, right? All the potential in the world, all MAC conference excited. And I still think Cephas can be a serious contributor on this team. But where was he until 90 seconds left in the game? I didn't see him. I didn't see the guy from Kent State. I wasn't even sure he made the trip out to Columbus. DeAndre Lambert Smith gets a pass in all of this, but he is not a number one wide receiver. He's a number one. He's a number one on this team, but on other teams, he he's a big playmaker against the likes of West Virginia, against Iowa, but not Ohio State. That that's just the fact of the matter. I think DeAndre Lambert Smith, as a as an understudy, as a follow up wide receiver, your number two, your number three, he can be really good, and I think he has a future in the NFL. But to be a number one. On this team against the likes of Ohio State and Michigan, he has to do more. And the guys behind him certainly have to do more. Dante Cephas and Caden Saunders were the only ones to make a serious impact. And it took the final 90 seconds to do just that. Why, why did it come in the final 90 seconds of that game? Why weren't they playing earlier? I get it. You stick with your best players when... You, you, the guys that impress in the middle of practice, you want to go with those guys, and I get what the coaching staff is doing. When you go through a week of practice and Keandre Lambert-Smith, Trey Wallace, are typically they've been, they've always been the consistent. We've heard it from Coach James Franklin. We know this. But don't you think that a change should have been made earlier than that? Hindsight's twenty twenty. I want to know who that's on. Is that James Franklin's decision, Mike Yersich's decision? I know he's busy calling plays, and that's why I'm having a second episode, because we will talk about Mike Yersich. Is that on new wide receivers coach, Marcus Higgins? Who makes that decision to switch out the wide receivers? Because if it were up to me, hindsight again, but those guys should have come in late middle of the third quarter. 
I would have said, okay, let's let's work with the starters, Keandre Lambert Smith, Trey Wallace, uh, Liam Clifford, whoever. Work with those guys first, and then if they're not getting the job done, give them a second, maybe at most a third series in the third quarter. I'd go the first two series, and if you guys still are underperforming, that's when we make a change. That's when Dante Cephas, Caden Saunders, Malik McLean, Amari Evans. I don't care. I don't care. Bring whoever in because they had, they showed those starters showed no progress and no switch was made. Not until 90 seconds were left. I believe Cephas can be the real deal. I I think he is the missing piece to allow this offense to go from below average to above average. I really do. Drew Aller's a five-star quarterback. You have a five-star running back in Nicholas Singleton. Katron Allen, who was a highly rated four-star, you have the the best offensive line that you have had in recent memory here, probably the better part of this past decade. Don't tell me this offense can't improve. And I think Dante Cephas is that missing piece. But what what is the holdup? What is the holdup? Because time is running out. I think him, Wallace, Keandre Lambert-Smith can all be an above-average trio and help this offense open up. But time is running out, like it needs to be said. What you need to do now, you play Indiana. Indiana's not going to threaten you, and it's probably going to look more like the Northwestern Illinois games where Penn State's just going to be able to grind out a win and hopefully work on some things. But now you have the opportunity because this team is not a threat, the Hoosiers, and I don't want this to be a trap game because when Penn State comes off the high of a big game and they lose, they follow up the, the next week with a struggle, and sometimes they even lose this game. I don't think they'll lose to Indiana because Indiana's not a good team. But rotate those groups in. You don't need to be married to the first group of Keandre Lambert-Smith and Harrison Wallace in this game. You can rotate in Malik McLean. You can rotate in Amari Evans, Liam Clifford. Experiment, try some things, do whatever. Put Christian Driver in for all I care, but let them show outside of practice who can play and who can't. Because Tim Tebow, I, I know Tim Tebow didn't have a great NFL career, but he was awful in practice and they won games on Sundays. That's what matters. So. If there is something missing in practice, but they can do it on Saturdays, I think you can make an exception here. I really do, because go for broke. You, the wide receivers did not show up against Ohio State. You got to make a change. You got to make a switch. I'll have a part two to this. This conversation is not finished. We have more takeaways to discuss, including James Franklin. Fire James Franklin is back. We'll talk about that more. Fire Mike Yursich is here. We will discuss that more as well, including some other things about the offense, about Penn State's identity with this football team. It'll all be right here on Locked On Nittany Lions.